Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Good morning, good morning. All right, you heard what he said. He said he was hungry. That's, that's how I interpret what he just said. He just said, don't hold back, Bishop, give it up. Okay, I heard that, so I'm going to go for it. I thank the Lord for my travel partner. My wife, she's an awesome woman of God. She is. And that's right. She'll get me straight to if I overdo it, if I underdo it, whatever. She's going to get it straight. And I thank the Lord for her. I want to talk with you this morning and, and just give support to your awesome pastor in this house. I had a chance last night to go out with Dr. Jules. And, uh, and so he's... See, like all these Molinas are killers, actually. They are like, you know, godly ninja assassins. They are, they are going for it. And the, and the women, too. You should, uh, I just hear about all this great stuff, and I love it. Because what, what I know the world needs is to know that all the stuff you're hearing on the news isn't what God is doing. It's what the world is doing. And I should say it this way, maybe what the devil is doing. But God, at the same time, did you hear the announcement about what's happening to Cuba? Cuba's being revolutionized. And, and, and so, see, in, our, in your generation, and probably most of our generation, we haven't seen what is called a real revival. It is said that the Asbury Revival of 1973, was Asbury College, was a, actually a bona fide revival where the effects of it was so important that classes stopped. It wasn't just an evangelist coming in. It's like what you were seeing. The Spirit of the Lord moved on that campus through an impetus of prayer and changed the agenda of the culture of that university. And the effect of it that was that numbers of young people were saved. They, their parents heard about it. They went home to tell their parents what was happening. They got saved, and it really had a significant effect called the Asbury Revival. Of course, you have your phones with you now. Anything the brothers check says, you can check it out right now and just do a quick Google on me and my stuff is exposed. But it's happened. But like in your generation now, we, we, we're still wanting in terms of a real move of God. Now, one of, I would say, also um, uh, my daughter reported on the West Virginia revival. Have you heard about it? Uh, what's going on in West Virginia right now? There's a revival going on there. And CBN, Wendy Griffith, reported about that revival just a couple of weeks ago, and it still seems to be going on in a way that um, is happening actually in a high school. Classes have been affected. Um, the faculty has been affected. The churches, numbers of churches have unified. They're being affected by it. So God seems to be moving. It's been going on now for a number of weeks. So if you do a little Google on that too, you'll discover that what you're seeing also in the negative there is an opposite thing going on if God exposes it. And I'll tell you that the, the light is going to outshine the darkness. And, and I'll tell you something really is true. And that is like it already is. And to me, there are two things that are upsetting. One, if there's a move of God going on somewhere in the world and I don't know about it. And two, that I'm not moving with God and no one wants it. That's seriously upsetting. Why? Because the explanation for my entire life is God himself. It wasn't that my mom and dad just had the union of the marriage bed. Of course, they didn't have the union of the marriage bed. They were in debauchery. And I came into this world out of their lust, not their love. But I make this conclusion. I came the wrong way, but I am the right result. That's me. So I'm going to make the best out of it. So here it is. I'm going to talk with you about the process of growth. I want you to understand that you are in this world because God intended it. So turn to John chapter 1. Let's roll through the scriptures. And I was up in my car this morning. I go there. My wife travels with me. I have, to have ISO, so I go get out in my car in the parking lot. And, of course, being my age, uh, 
I have to be somewhere where I can get to a restroom real quick. <laughs> so my parking lots is my sort of like, you know, where I go to be with God. However, I got to be ready. Look what it says in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Look at this. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, look, and the life was the light of men. Meaning, let me just interpret that for you, that if you don't have here, this word life is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. If you don't have that life, that zoe life inside of you, to that degree you're in darkness. Because it says his life, meaning the life of God, the reality of God. You said you love his presence, but God has relocated from the literal place called heaven to now uh, your bodies are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. So now if you have, if you don't have the sense of the reality of God inside of you, then to some degree you don't realize how much life you're carrying. Because God decided that this building, without you here, without Pastor Melina and the family here identifying this location as being a geographical location where godly people come, this building has no redemptive value and perishes while it sits here. It doesn't matter if, 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 if the largest company in the world, it could be some of these major companies, AT&T could take this building over. Yes, it would, people would have jobs, maybe new technology would be emerging and all that. Irrelevant. Why? Because the explanation should go back to God himself. And the person of God was seen in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So watch. When something is achieved and it looks to be great, if Jesus is not the bottom line to it, it's the king's answers without the king. That is humanism. Don't worry about it. I'm way ahead of you already, and I haven't even prayed. Don't worry about it. Verse 5. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended, if not, never does. You wonder why people don't understand your Christianity? They're in darkness. They can't understand you. Clearly. Why don't you get that by now? If you're really walking in the light, people in the dark don't understand. Because they don't have the life. The life shows them that you are something that they should know and someone they should follow. Because you have the life of God in you, so there's light that comes off you that's having an effect. Even when they are acting like they're, you're not having an effect. You are anyway. It says verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came, from, came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Verse 9. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. Look at this. And the world knew him not. Yeah, I made you, and you don't even know me. He came into his own, and his own received him not. Look, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name, which was born not of blood, nor of the will of, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, look, full of grace and truth. My Father, thank you so much for the revelation of your word. I'm asking you to unload on these here under the sound of my voice and give them the life, therefore the light that they need to be the people you ordained them to be. That they wouldn't die until your will is fulfilled in their lives. That the power of God would rise up large and they would be conquerors that they would be the ones that would lead, that they wouldn't retreat into the background and act like they've done something wrong by having you come into their heart. I'm asking you, Jesus, to shine. Jesus, shine. in every person under the sound of my voice. I cancel every assignment of the devil against them. May they rise up large now and do your will, no matter what their gender, no matter what their culture, no matter what their educational level is, no matter what their age, I say to you, arise and shine to the glory of God. And we thank you for it, Lord. We won't take your glory. We give you all the glory for it. And we thank you and bless you now. And all the people of God said, 
Amen. All right. Now, keep your finger here. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1, 23. 1 Peter. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, 1 Peter. You'll get it. Don't worry about it. Again. So are they putting that up on the board, helping you out? That's what they're doing. Okay. They're helping you out over here. So I never noticed that, but I'm still going to read it. Look what it says here. Verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now let's, let's just deal with this just for a moment. This passage, actually, in, in, uh, from starting in verse 13, all the way through to the end of this chapter, is actually dealing with holiness. Now that's a, that's a concept that seemingly the church don't get it. And what I find in so many cases that believers are saved from hell, but they still live like the devil. I don't mean they rob, steal, kill. I mean they still haven't learned how do you live like the God who made you? And what standards do you have? What should be your thoughts? Uh, what are the principles that should govern your life in every area? Uh, how do you, on a basic level, why wouldn't you, if you're of God, you see, being born again, not of corruptible seed, incorruptible seed, this, scriptures like this are either absolutely the truth or it's ridiculous. It's not true at all. But, so you have to examine what is an incorruptible seed. Whatever it is, it says you are born of that. Notice this though, but the verb tense is present perfect tense. Means that you just were not born like that. You are still being transformed into that incorruptible person that God ordained you to be. Now, this happens individually, but it also happens generationally. I'm talking about the process of growth. What this scripture says right here is that God's goal for you is to be like him. You have the seed of God inside of you. It says, watch, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Now, the word seed in the Hebrew actually is the word sperma. Look at that. You are of God. So there's two things going on in you at the same time. Number one, you have a natural seed, meaning that you're born also of your daddy. Your daddy carries the DNA properties that allows you to be able to have the name you have. And God ordained in the process of life that he'd make a man first and then he'd make the woman out of the man and the two of them would be brought together in union and that they would reproduce life out of the will of God so that man and woman, if they would have the union of the marriage bed, there would be conception. That conception, look, would happen because God wants it to happen. There are many people who are married, and I've prayed for numbers of them, who they said, we've been married, but we just can't have children. And I said, what are you talking about? And then I'd go there and say, are you born again? They'd say, well, yeah. I said, what do you mean you can't have children? I said, um, that the fruit of the womb is the blessings of the Lord. God created the whole earth. He creates man out of his words and then out of his hands, out of dirt. And then he says it's not good that man should be alone. He makes a woman out of the man. And then he brings that woman to the man. And he said, you should be called woman. That was Adam said that. He probably said it just like that too. He says, you should be called woman because you were taken out of me, out of man. That's what he said. So God makes the man out of the dirt. He makes the woman out of the man. Other than those two, those were the only two in creation made like that by not only the hands of God, but the handiwork of God. He made them. He shaped them. He formed them. The look that they had, how they were different, and all of that, God did that out of his hands. So you can say there's something about mankind that goes back to Adam and his wife so that you are the product of God. Now, because you're asking me this, I'm going to let you see that in Scripture, all right? Now watch. In Acts, just one minute, Acts chapter 17. Look here. Acts chapter 17. Keep your finger in this place because I'm going to come back here because i got to work this thing about you, growth, creation, who you are, what God is working in your life. And then I want to address the level we're living on. Why 
Are we letting the world rule over us? If we're going to change the world, who's given us that assignment? And are you a world changer? Secondly, what's going on in your life that indicates you are in the process of doing something about the condition of the world? Are you even recording, documenting your life? Do you have a diary? So why wouldn't it be important to write down on a daily basis what you think, what revelation God gives you, what you read, what you said, who you said it to, what you spent, what you spent it on? I mean, if you don't document, watch. Here's what one person said. You, you start a revolution by the spoken word, but you carry it by the printed page. Let me just be more clearly with you. The Bible is basically a spoken book written down. So that even if there were no one speaking like I'm speaking, the documentation board is already there. God saw that these men he created should have their lives documented should be written about them. What they said, what they did, who they did it to, where they lived is documented. Then, of course, they documented some of Jesus' life and wrote some of what he said. The book of John, the last verse, says, if, the, if what he did, all that Jesus did when he was on the earth for those three and a half years of ministry, if it was written, the world couldn't contain the volumes of it. What? Now, either that's an overstatement or there's a lot of stuff Jesus said and did that's not recorded. But isn't that true about your life? Even if you were writing a diary about your life and documenting your life like what I just said, you still wouldn't get it all. There would be more stuff that you would think about that you would say because you wouldn't say everything you said verbatim, who you said it to. You wouldn't remember all the exact words. There are things that you did in passing. Numbers of things, you couldn't remember all of it. You couldn't write all of it. Exactly. But it's being recorded in heaven because God had not have a memory problem. Glory to God. And the closer you get to God, the less you have one memory problem. Because when you see him, you should be like him. Don't worry about it. I'm still way ahead of you, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Look at this. In, in Acts um, chapter... 17, look what it says, verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, I've been there, uh, incredible, where Paul was, I screamed at him in Egypt and preached like on Mars Hills, like he said, and he said, ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious, for as I pass by, and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. Let me stop there for a minute. Come on, if you don't be honest, there's levels of God you'll never get to. You may be saved, but do you really know God? See? You may say, I have eternal life, but are you cultivating eternal understanding? See? Are you afraid to die? Do you get upset when a Christian dies? Why do people wear black and mourn and everybody cries and sad when a Christian dies? Why? There's something unbelievable about it. You're going to miss them, but look, what do you mean? Then you're, you're crying because of you. You're not crying because of them. Right? If they were saved. Because to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. They're happy. They're not trying to come back here. But you, you're all upset about that. But God is the author of life and also death. He only said you're going to live three score and ten if by reason of strength four score. And we try to, you know, we believe in healing and all. But we'll, we'll try to heal somebody 90 years old. Some of them, they, some of them are, can't get around, can't do nothing. They're not ministering to anybody, nothing. You still want them to stay here. While to be with the Lord is far better. Paul said that. But you're still trying to keep them here. Why? Because you are not familiar with that other side enough. There's something about God and that reality that you don't know. So to some degree, you're still religious. You have to cultivate the reality of the eternal. You got to cultivate it. You can be born of God. Just like you can be born in a family and your daddy, you not know your daddy. Because one, he doesn't spend time with you. You don't spend time with him. 
Jack Nicholas, I just heard it yesterday. Jack Nicholas, the day before, he said it a couple of times. He said, and his wife says it, he's a better father and husband than he was a golfer. Yet he's said to be the greatest golfer that ever lived. More majors than any golfer. See? And yet, he only did a limited number of tournaments because he wanted to make sure he spent the time at home and with his family so that golf did not have him. He knew, he says, all my achievement, achievements and all that I've accomplished isn't greater than my wife bearing my children and my spending time with them and my family. He made that a priority. And so I know, and every time he gets before a camera, he recapitulates that. He said, that's a big word, like elephant, hippopotamus. You hear me use that big word there? You know, recapitulate. That's pretty good. But he says it again and again, you know. And uh, so why? It's important to get this. Because there may be business people in here. You want to be successful. You want to be upwardly mobile. There may be young ladies in here that says, I want to achieve. Uh, my husband has done his career. I want to do my career. Career? You were, that was a, that's a marketing ploy. Your life shouldn't be about a career. It should be about a destiny. Amen. You want to know why God created you. That is your success. Finding the will of God and doing it. Not die until his will is fulfilled in your life. That's what you live for, but all the other stuff, I mean, look, I mean, you, there are people dying like left and right right now. Muhammad Ali just died, right? Yesterday, right? And so, look, can you imagine this? The greatest boxer that ever lived. Show? Boxer? You mean you beat people's brains out, you knock guys out, he knocks out Sonny Liston, he had a, he fought, you know, this guy. That's important? And then he becomes a Muslim, and, and what? And then he promotes Islam, Abraham's flesh, what he did out of the will of God. Ishmael, the flesh. His wife suggested, have sex with my maid here, because God isn't going to do what he said. That's your idea, but look what it has. Now, Isaac fighting uh, Ishmael, look at the battles going on right now. We're still dealing with that. Don't worry about it. This is way better than your response anyway. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Glory to God. <laughs> well, let me enjoy this. This is really the truth. I'm telling you the truth. That's what I do. I tell the truth. And sometimes I go past preaching and stuff. I'm fussing, but that's all right too. That's, I'm old. So when you're old, you can fuss. And that's what I do. Glory to God. And so some of this stuff that U.S. senators are going through, you know, somebody wants me to meet these, you know, whatever, these presidential people. I didn't stand with any of them. I didn't meet with any of them. And it wasn't a privilege for them for me to meet with any of them. So, um, so I, I have one that I'm going to go meet with him. But there's a bunch of guys that's convening for a few guys or you know, a number of guys to go meet with this candidate. And I said, you convening me to go meet with this guy here? So that ain't, look, I can take all of you to God in prayer. I can probably prophesy over every one of you on something that you would say, how did he know that? So how am I going to feel good about going around a presidential candidate when I can get around God? Seriously. Amen. Yeah, I'm doing that. So I know one of the guys is heading this thing. I'll call him up and I'll go see him. Privately, but I'm not going to a bunch of guys to do no photo op. To do no photo op. I can get with God. There's no man that's going to impress me. I can get with God. So, you know, and you know, and I know in certain, certain environments, because a lot of them are white people, right? So they feel like, well, Boone, how do you feel like this? Didn't you, aren't you black? You guys went through slavery and you black people. Y'all, you know what you know about uh, Black Lives Matter and all that stuff that's going on, right? And all that. So, I don't care about that stuff going on. I can get to God. I don't, nobody needs to tell me that black lives matter. And they say, well, all lives matter. Don't you know that? You don't know all lives. God is the author of life, and you don't know all lives matter. That I got to recapitulate that? I got to explain that to you? You are low-information Christians who don't read the Bible, and you don't know God. So just sit there. You don't know nothing. You don't know nothing. <laughs> I mean, you're never going to get me in a position where I feel bad about being black. I just told you I was, I was ghetto, ghetto and gutter by background. 
ghetto and gutter. I told you. I didn't meet my dad the first time until I was 35. See? But I can leave this place in a second in prayer and ascend up to God and have a divine sense of his reality that something is going to move at the impetus of God to get me to pray for a priority that came from heaven. And you think I'm going to feel bad about my race? I didn't do that. I, I was in, you go to Promise Keepers. Do, go do Wellington Boone slash Promise Keepers. Look, put Indianapolis in. I'm talking before 70,000 men talking about race. And I said this to him, if you don't like me being black, don't get mad with me. I didn't do it. <laughs> so I'm not going to feel bad about something I didn't do. God did that. You take that up, you take that up with him. So I'm not going to let your perspective of a pigmentation of skin make me feel like I'm not anybody. No, I can get to God. I know who made you. So yeah, that's how that is. Yep, that's how I roll. That's how I roll. That's how I roll. So that's just the way it is. And you know they think that look who this God think he is. That's what. I mean, don't you listen? I, I got it from God who I think I am. Did you get that from God who you think you are? You think that because you have money you're important? You mean you're defined by something that doesn't even know what it is? Money doesn't know what it is. Money didn't create itself. I was in this one church. This is I don't know when it was. Maybe recently. I told you I fussed, but I said, you know, I asked this question. How many of you people love entitlements? Right? Raise your hands up real high. And of course, in that, I was in a conservative church, so nobody raised their hands. <laughs> so then I asked the question, follow-up. I said, do the people who take advantage of entitlements, did they create that for themselves? Then they started looking at me real funny then. They knew the answer to that because they didn't. I said, who created that then? What? You, never, you, didn't, you didn't do the research on that? Huh? You, some of you finished college. You don't have any academic rigor? You don't know? Go find that out. I think you already know the answer to it. I said, what about welfare? How many of you believe that all of America, like what some of the candidates are saying, the government is going to take care of all you people? How many of you love welfare system and how it all works? Let me see your hands real high. And, of course, none of them raised their hands on that either. I said, well, do the people who are on welfare, did they create that welfare system for themselves? And the answer to that was, no. So do they own the property that they're staying in? Do they own the house that they live in? Did they create that environment? Did they, they identify that land as being a lot where low information, broke people are going to live? No, they didn't. So who did that? Where did the vision come from? So why don't you stop it then if you don't like it? You don't have the courage? Huh? First, you don't recognize who did it. You'd rather curse the dark rather than bring the light to it. Well, see, now I'm in the business of now not only knowing who did, who is the light. I got the life of God, so that gives me light. So I'm not going to be stuck on stupid. Don't be cursing the dark. Bring the light to it. You don't like the ghetto. You don't like the, the, the low information Christians, those people that are on entitlements. Then change it. Men create environments. Men build skylines. Men take an ocean front and decide that we're going to build resorts on the ocean front and that we're going to do it at a certain level and we're going to create uh, buying air, which you did space. You don't buy, right, what you call these time sharing. You don't own nothing, actually, just air. <laughs> oh, yeah, but we'll give you a couple weeks and we have a lot of locations. You're going to buy this. You're going to put a value to that. Why? Because... You like the environment they created for you. Somebody thought of that. And they monetized it. Now, were they saved? I'm wondering, they saved? How many Christians own all these buildings? How many Christians who are making margins on that money tithe God? How many people take a percentage of that money and cede it to the work of God? I, was, I went by your pastor's house last night. Uh, Dr. Jules took me by there and we looked at it. So I asked him the question now since his house burned all the way down. And I looked at him fixing it and look, he says, it's almost finished now. I'm looking in there, almost finished? Man, I don't see any walls up hardly at all. I'm still seeing, you know, the two by fours and stuff. I can look all the way through the house, all the way out there to the water, out there, the lake or something. This ain't nowhere near finished. So I said, then being that he's building it, is he going to be building in cash, no debt? 
And then he makes an awesome statement. He says, uh, I'm not sure. Um, maybe, uh, but he's a man of faith, and we don't have faith like, this, like he does. He don't talk about his finances. He just, he just does it. He's a man of faith. So then, I, yeah, I'm like that. I believe in praising the Lord like that. But you can't tell me, watch, that if you, look, watch this. The Bible says, well, I hate to drop this on you like this, but I have to go ahead and do it. <laughs> you know his house burned all the way down? And the members in here didn't come up with enough money and just say, we're buying this, we're making sure. This gets built back up. Without anybody asking you, just do it. Why? Because you love him. And your seed is what also demonstrates your love. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Maybe it's the other way. Where your heart is, there your treasure is. So if he don't ask you for nothing, then that means you're supposed to give it to him. And you see there's a need. Watch what it says. You're quiet on me right now, but I'm rolling right now. I'm rolling. James says, if you see your brother in need and tell him, be warned, and, and you have the resources to make the difference, and you walk by and you don't do anything, James says, that's not faith. See? Now, now, I've done what he did. Now, in my environment, talking about black folks, I used to have seminars, man. Like, I mean, like, maybe black and white, but mostly black people in some of those seminars in this one city. And I was like him. I said, like, there's no offerings that was taken up in here, right? Now, look. So I did the same thing. This was 30 years ago, 1979. I said, look, we're going to believe God. The offering bucket is back in the back. You already know what to do. And so we're putting the word out, and you obey God. You're getting fed. Them that preach the gospel, you live by the gospel. He that labors in the word is worthy of double honor. That's the Bible. Okay, there you are. Man, them black people, them folks, let me tell you something. Them James walked right by that offering bucket, and we, they, the staff would look in there and see what was in it. Almost nothing was in there. I ended up paying from week to week for that hotel space myself. And my wife, who worked a management-level job, she said, honey, uh, you go ahead and do the gospel, and I'm going to work and so that you can go ahead and get the word of God out. Man, we had to take the money from her working to pay for hotel bill, bills, because why? Black folks, you got to deal with them a little bit different, or you're going to have to have a whole lot of faith. Because <laughs> them James said, look, oh, man, we ain't got to give no money. They said, look, I'm gone. I'm out of here. They go right past that money. I prayed for the sick. I had demons. I was casting devils out. I mean, people were getting healed. I'm counseling mamas, boys, daughters, and sons that were rebels. Passed right on by the offering bucket. I know he has a lot of faith. Now, I talk about this church to other, other churches, large churches. You know, I can tell they're looking at me like they're mad. Because why? They don't have the faith to say a statement like this. If you already know as a Christian that you should give tithes and offerings and you don't do it, why should I tell you twice when, what God already told you one time? If you don't do it, the Bible says you're not a real Christian, especially concerning Giving, because God said, the gold is mine, the silver is mine, saith the Lord. So that means gold and silver, you don't own it, you steward it. You do with it the work of God. That money is for God's work to be done, not just for you to, you know, whatever, just to consume it on your own lust. And if you're saving it for a rainy day, don't worry, you're going to have it. It's coming. Don't worry about it. The devil, if you don't give God your money, the devil is going to take it. That's what he does. So learn how to be a giver. Learn how to be the kind of person. So I hope that with what I just said, somebody will go to whoever the powers that be, go to the pastor Yvette and say, Pat, what do you need? Or don't ask them nothing. Do you know what it costs to rebuild a whole house? Get it, brother, 100000 Give him 200 Give him the money. Guess what? God says, if you sow to a righteous man, you'll get a righteous man's reward. Look at here. You mean I could give to this man and the rewards that he's going to give for being over in Cuba? I'm going to get some of that? What? Exactly. That's what the Bible says. Low information Christian, read the Bible and then start doing it. You do the Bible. You see that? You get that. How many of you get that? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of you. All two of you. That's all right. Those of you on the internet, just do that. Send the money on here. Springs of life. You're on the internet. You're seeing it. Send some money on here. Get some of these people mad. 
send some big money in here and get these people mad because you receive the word that comes from this ministry. Plus, I believe in it. Do it on my word. And some of you probably know I've been in meetings where lots of people gave you a lot of money. So give a lot of money and pay for his house. Burn down. He loves God. He's over. He hasn't stopped ministering one bit because his house burned down. And then I've called him up, and he's over there trying to build his house himself. I say, you over there? Yeah, we got to get rid of all this extra trash. We got to put this. You, you got to what? You're supposed to spend your time in the word of God in prayer. What you doing over there? So the deacons were made for. To do that, to look out for you while you study. You get in prayer. I need to know you hear from God. I need to know that nothing takes away your priority of union with God. You don't administrate. All the people said? Amen. I'm telling you right now, that's what you do. It's told you the Bible. All right, I got three scriptures to go back over, and I got two hours to finish this, so I'm working hard. <laughs> okay, glory to God. Look what it says here now. What time is it? What time does the next service start? It starts at 12, right? Okay, you did. That's right. We do have. Okay, I got it right. I got just an hour and a half. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got it right. I, as I tell my wife, she'll be working on me hard. Verse 23, let's read it again. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So this is what I'm saying to you as a Christian. Don't just look to somebody else to know God for you. You can't be ignorantly worshiping God. Like, for example, the song that you were singing about his presence. Now, it says in Colossians 1.27, they'll put that up there, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So look, you're not just looking for God's presence. Come on, what does that say? You are carrying God's presence. So look, so you're not just waiting for a revival to come. You're not talking about just the feelings of God. The reality of God says your body, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 19 and 20, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So you're carrying God's presence. You say, well, I don't feel nothing. Shut up. I'm not talking about what you feel. See? Get off there. I'm talking about what the Bible says. The Bible says you are the temple of God. And then he says clearly, what? In the New Testament, there are no natural building programs in the whole New Testament. The only buildings God's after is the building that you are. So he's getting you fit so he can be large in you. The mega church today is your growth level. That's the mega. The mega is you. Come on, somebody say it. Say, the mega is me. Come on, say it. Oh man, you ain't supposed to be no little smiley little thing trying to tiptoe around. Oh, you a Christian whispering. Stop the whispering. Stand up bold about Jesus, man. Be bold. The righteous are what? Bold as a lion. You ask the person, how you doing? You get up there, come up to work. If you work out in the marketplace, God has you there working the numbers. So he said, how you doing? He said, oh, I'm not feeling that. You say, you, you what? I'm not feeling good. May I pray for you? He said, well, yeah, would you pray for me? I want you to remember me in prayer. No, I'm going to pray for you right now. So you pray for him right now. You lay hands on him. He said, I may get fired. Well, that's a good thing to suffer for the Lord in that. That's what's going to change the world. That man that fires you, I guarantee you, it won't be a minute before he'll want to call you back up because he met a real Christian because of the circumstances that will be going on in his life. I, I know of situations where, like the governor of what, is it South Carolina or was it North Carolina, was, you know, made this decision that was an unbiblical decision, and then under pressure of Christians, he changed his mind and went back to the biblical decision. Well, that's what happens. But look, it wasn't just the pressure of people. It was the pressure of God. See, there is a revival coming where God says, I'm going to return for a glorious church that has not spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing. That's what he's, Paul's talking about here, how you live your life. God is not going to come for a weak church trying to struggling. Just, wow, I mean, what are we going to do about the bathrooms? Oh, my God. You mean man can come in a bathroom with my daughter? Well, here's you a little weak Christian whining. What are you whining about? Do something about it. Somebody did something about it to get the people to make a stupid decision like that to say that a man could just declare himself a woman and go into a locker room where a woman's locker room. Who could be stupid enough to do that? That's stupid. 
Only, only about 5% of you know that. What, you scared? You scared? I've got to be inclusive. I've got to make sure I don't want to offend anybody. Let me get you straight on that. Matter of fact, Luke 17 says it's impossible that offenses will not come. See, if I don't offend somebody today while I'm talking to you right now, to some, to some degree I'm compromising with you. One of Jesus' names, look it up in the Bible, is called the rock of offense. You can't avoid offending somebody by trying to be some hideout Christian. Stand out for the kind of Christian you are. Quit being a weakling. Tell your boss, I'm a born-again believer. I love Jesus. And watch what happens. Now, I, when these guys were running for office and they were doing these speeches, remember that? If Farrakhan gets up to make a speech, what is he going to do first thing before he starts to say one word about what he's going to talk about? What does he say first? He gives honor to what? Use the honor Elijah Mohammed. Well, all those guys that were doing those debates, I didn't hear none of those guys, and several of them claim they're Christians. I didn't hear any of those guys get this on the stream right now so we can be clear about it. None of those guys said, first of all, before I say anything, I want to let you know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and that he's alive today, and the Holy Spirit is here to save anybody who will call on his name. And secondly, Lord, will thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. Now, I'm the best candidate because, boom, there you go. Now you can say all that stuff that you're running for office. But before you do, you talk about Jesus because here's what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 32. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before the angels of God. He says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. So there's a possibility that he's saying this, if you make me famous on earth, I will make you famous in heaven. If you don't make me famous on earth, then you will be an unknown in heaven. There you are. So I assume from that, you're not just looking at me. You're going to start being bolder about Jesus. Don't be looking at me like I stole something. I just told you the truth. You got to start standing on the word and stop being. You can't have a pastor like this. Change the world, and you quiet about Jesus? What? And then when somebody gets mad at you, that's like I had a person telling me recently, and like in a relationship, like my wife, I mean, she's fiery. I told her, I mean, we've been married now this year, be 43 years. And yeah, oh yeah, this is, this is awesome. And you know, she had a lot of training to do. I told you I was ghetto and gutter, and her father was like director of logistics for all of Europe. He was a colonel when I met her in Germany. I mean, like, so she's in the management, organized, being organized, forecasting, projecting, evaluating. I mean, man, that's like, woo. Her mama had to have, in the basement, he built an area where she had to have dry goods at least for three months. And he inventoried it for her, for her mama. So she married somebody ghetto and gutter. And even when I got saved, my ghetto still, like, I'm still, like, I... You can get saved, but you still got to grow. So, you know, I was like ghetto. I mean, like, even when we sat down to eat, we go in a restaurant, and we're sitting down, and you have all these, all that silverware. And I said, I'd grab one of them as one fork, you know, and I'd use that. She says, no, that's the wrong one, baby. I said, what do you mean wrong one? I don't, I don't need all of these. <laughs> she said, no, it's from the outside in, baby. how you use this. I said, that's a white man created something so you can buy more silverware. Man, get out of here, man. I'm not doing that. <laughs> that was, that's what you're talking about, man. You got to quit letting everybody lead you like that, honey. That's, how she had to, that's what she had to deal with. She had to deal with that. But now that we found the Lord in a real way, and she's trained me and worked with me on some of that, I, occasionally I still got to go there. I got to go there sometimes. But, but you know what? There's a way that we have a behavior in God that's way higher than these marginalization that you get from the world. We can't let them impress us. See, if you got a counterfeit relationship with God, you are being impressed by something. There's something that makes you have a priority. Like I, again, I was at this mega church and they have a Wednesday night service and church 5,000 on Sunday, 12,000. I mean, I'm on the board of a church with 15,000, another with 20,000. And some of them fuss about the Wednesday night service because they only have maybe 1,000 or something. Got 20,000, you're not expecting 1,000 people to come on Wednesday, right? You're expecting there to be more than that coming. But I get up there and I say, exactly. Like you said, how many of you was here Wednesday night? And you see how, much, how few hands left, rose up? I said, exactly. 
Because why? The people that, what? They're doing, they're going to bingo. The people that are taking their children to soccer practice, they're taking the gymnastics, right? Taking the baseball practice. Right, you should do that. Because if you don't have it on Wednesday as a priority to go after the word, then go ahead and go to soccer practice. Because God can't change the world with you. But the remnant company that made it a priority, they had to adjust schedules. You have to make a priority. You tell your kids, no, you got one sport or you have these two. But on Wednesday night, this is the priority. Here's why. We're going after the word. We got a world-changing pastor. We're going to be there. We're going to, we're going to eat dinner. We're going to be there. We're going to eat the word. Make it a priority. And, then, and so these guys are upset because he don't have a big crowd on Wednesday. God never did anything great with a large crowd. He only did it to the large crowds. He did it with the remnant. And then if, if people say, well, I, I got a lot of things to do, well, it's inconvenient for you to come on Wednesday. Well, let me tell you something else. God will never make you do an awesome work around your convenience. He only does it around your sacrifice. Oh, that's way better than your response, though. It's way better than that. Gather the saints unto me, them that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. I love them that love me. Them that seek me early shall find me. So I have my, these sons I have, and I got a women's group to meet at 5, 5 a.m. in the morning, Monday mornings. Now, with the men, I met with them for a year at 5 a.m. Every, every morning, 5 a.m., on the phones around the nation. I taught them through the Bible in a Bible read-through, and I would teach them, and I got a couple of my other leaders. They took one day. I had another leader take another day, and I took three days. They had to read through the Bible four chapters a day. We're in June right now. So you read four chapters. So I would do an exegesis. I said, one of them big words. Watch out. See, it sounds like that's when the ghetto tries to, tries to uh, be submerged, but but anyway, that's where I would do, or I should say, an apologetic on the scriptures that they have to read through. So they have to be on the phone at 5 a.m. And a number of times, the whole lines imploded. There were so many people on the line. The lines couldn't hold all of them. So it may not be that all of you are hungry, but it may be when you gather the remnant from around the world, there's a hunger. I don't want to be included with the people who are not hungry for God. I don't want to be the ones that serve God around my convenience. Like, you know, like tonight, you got the uh, basketball game. Come on, the playoffs on. You know the brothers? Steve, uh, Steve, Stephon Curry and LeBron and all that. Man, look, if my wife want to do something at that time, a number of the times, Super Bowl. I've taken her to dinner when the Super Bowl was on before. Why? I want to see the Super Bowl. I didn't record it. Just so I could blow her mind. <laughs> Let her know, ain't nothing going ahead of you, woman. No, blow your mind. Blow your mind. You're my woman. You're my priority. So I got to do something to keep her off balance. And this morning she said, uh, I didn't tell her though, she said, I feel a little dizzy. And I could have said, Lord, let that anointing ease off of her right now. In the presence of God. You can't hardly stand up under it, you know. Don't look at me funny. I'm carrying a strong anointing inside of me. You can't stand up under that anointing. What do you think? So anyway, she, she would have hit me, of course. She wouldn't have uh, gone for it exactly like that. But that's how I roll. That's how I see it. So I've been married for that many years. She was a high school sweetheart. I knew that when I got married to her, we, we were like 52 years, I was going to stay married. This is it, one time. I mean, this is it. So there are times where she may have wanted to kick me to the curb and maybe even should have. But I said, no. What are you going to tell the Lord? What are you going to say? What? I, I, am, I, am I living for God? After this, am I living for God? Am I in the Word? Do you see me get up a great while before then and go in the Word? Do you see me in prayer? Do you see me faithful? Like, like what? See, so, but sometimes, you know, like the ghetto comes out and my attitude may not be great. I said, but you can't divorce me because I got a bad attitude today. You can't divorce me. But it's not going to work. It's not going to happen anyway. 
So just settle down. What do you want? How can I make you happy? <laughs> I made up my mind. We're not going to be old and dry. So, I mean, I'll pat her on the backside and say, come on, you know I'm seeing you, woman. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to keep this thing hot. This thing got to stay hot. But I believe that in God, too. That's what God does. Thy maker is thy husband. God takes the church, pat her on the backside and say, come on, let's get it going. You got to stay hot for me. That's what he's saying. I'm saying, I stay hot for God. I, I'm into it. I'm into this. Okay, glory to God. Woo! Too many questions. Verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. See, I told you. What makes this place great is you're here. Now, this is what I want to get to. Now, watch. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, look, and breath, and all things. So you can just say this. The breath you breathe is God's breath. The life you have is God's life. And everything I have belongs to God. So watch then. So if you are born of God, your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, you're asking for his presence, what you really mean is you carry his presence, and when you come, revival just walked in. So this is what I want you to say. If you have God inside of you, like what's the David said this in Psalms 85. Lord, will thou not revive us again? What? You backslid? What? David, where are you in God? You gotta, see, before you ask for revival, you got to acknowledge where you are. You're in sin? You haven't repented up to date? Did you do something wrong that God isn't satisfied with? What's that guilt doing inside of you? Why don't you get rid of it? Through the blood. Why didn't you tell him I'm sorry? You can't, like with me. Now, another thing I don't let my wife do, she may have done it to me once or twice, is tell me she's sorry before I tell her. Because more than likely, if our relationship is messed up, it's my fault anyway. So I can't be wrong and not be quick to repent. Let her say, because she'll try that stuff on me. She'll try to say, well, honey, if I didn't make you have all this, man, you know, I'll feel really guilty then. I know I messed up the atmosphere, and then she's repenting. How are you going to repent? And I'm the one that just did this. So I got to stay I like on my P's and Q's with her because she'll try to go low faster than I go low. And I don't like that either. Why? Because she has my name. Let him that be greatest among you, let him be your what? Servant. So I got to stay low. I got to serve this woman. See? So I hate to think that I can't make one woman happy. And I claim I have God inside of me. See? Ain't no way. I know way. I'm going to make this woman happy. How about you doing it, bro? She's up there. She's, old, she's kind of close to you. She's leaning over there on you, over there closer. You sitting up, but she's leaning. Look like you're hungry, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're hungry. You're out of work. But, man, don't women have to run you down. The women got to run you down, dude. Not because you're macho, but because you got something from God that is an attraction to her. You blow her mind when you're not around. The woman is something like missing around. See? I, I'm going to go with this out of sound Atlanta. I'm going to preach in a place in Cartersville, not very far from Atlanta, uh, next week. And all I said, baby, you figured like it ain't far enough out of town. I figured she may not going to come. She says, ain't no way. You bet your life I'm going to be right there. <laughs> I mean, this woman, see, if I felt low about myself, it won't last long because this woman makes me feel greater than I deserve. This woman loves to be around me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I am, right? But she said, mm-mm, I'm supposed to be right with you. Right. And then sometimes we go, like, I'm going out of the country, right? And so I'm like, it could be Africa. I said, baby, I'm going to Africa. And, you know, I've got to ride because I'm old. I'm in business class, right? So the business class ticket is like, you know, can't be like joking around. You got to have some numbers. Whoever's inviting you got to have some numbers. Okay? So I'm doing business. Okay, because I'm old, and I got both knees and both hips replaced, you know. So when I get up and minister, I got to make sure God's getting me, because otherwise I'll be bent over, my hip like that, try to hurt my knees. So I tell her, we got to go walking. So she says, baby, I want to go with you. I say, well, baby, they're only paying for me. She'll say, I said I want to go with you. I said, baby, do you understand what it costs up in here? She says, I'm worth it. 
exactly, baby. You, I, I knew you. Clearly, 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 baby. You know, you think I was going to leave you there? Oh, goodness. See, you talking about faith. I got to have some faith to keep this woman. This woman is going. It doesn't matter what it costs, where it is, whatever. And for you guys, since you love me, since I'm over there in that, right? I know where every of the major women's stores that she like is. And if I don't know, I do a Google on this thing. That's, all, that's the way it is. So you guys that kind of let your wife go shopping and you don't do none of that with her, just let her go out there? Come on, dude. You go, I don't like shopping. Well, you're not shopping for you. You're shopping for her. If you're being with her makes her happy, then go. You can't do that. There's something wrong with your Christianity. I'm, I hate to say it. I'm going to have to tell you. Something wrong with your Christianity. You got to validate the woman on something that makes you uncomfortable. Because why? The life of God. Jesus died for us. So if he died for us, can't you live for her? Yeah, yeah, a couple of you get that, don't you get that? Yeah, she's she, she leaning over on you too. She's leaning. I see her leaning. Oh, yeah, leaning. Glory to God. All right, now look. Verse 26, and have made of one blood all nations of men to dwell upon the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So look, so God made all of us out of Adam. We're all kin folks. Now you may speak Spanish, but look, you know, I've said this, that when God, I mean, when God said, let us make man or let there be light, what language did he say it in? See, there you are. See, right? And because at that time, the Jews were the Jews. God was just God. So, and what language did Abraham speak? You see? No. So you start looking at it. So when all these, because by the time the Bible was done, he had all these languages. Does God have a problem with any of the languages? Can he not communicate because of the language? So you can say that God is the author of not only life, but language. And because all languages only have a limited number of words, no language could adequately explain God. Because why? We are the created. He's the uncreated. In the beginning, God. So before God ever said anything, he already was God. See? He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. That means you can't go anywhere. He's not already there. You can't travel at a speed. He's not bored with it. God is the unlimited God. Now, here's what I want to get to. All that potential is inside of you. Here's what he said. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Oh, what things? Behold, all things are become new. So here's what happens. Being that you're born again, you are not allowed to do things at the level of your humanity. You got to do things at the level of your deity. Here's the problem. You don't concentrate on it. You cannot understand anything you don't pay any attention to. It's like where a woman, a wife, will know her husband, what kind of socks he has on, what, what shape his socks are in, what his waist size is, and all this, right? And then a man says, I just can't understand my wife. What do you mean you can't understand your wife? Does she understand you? Does she see where you're coming from? Yeah. Why? Because she pays attention to you. Well, why don't you understand her? You can't understand anything you don't pay attention to. You got to focus. But do you think you can understand God and eternity, the ability of God inside of you and not cultivate it, not pay attention to it? You're still trying to believe God for healing. When that scripture, I I looked at it this morning, 1 Peter 2, 24, which is the next service. They're going to get it. They're going to really get it. It says, it says, with this stripes, ye are healed. Right? All of, we like, all of us like sheep have gone astray. We use that scripture to talk about physical healing. That scripture is not a physical healing scripture. He's talking about the healing of inappropriate behavior that's below the level of being like God. The sheep that's gone astray is not that you've fallen into sin. It's that you are walking in a way that's not the way that God himself would walk. And you have the life of God inside of you. You have the spirit quickening power inside of you. You have the destiny of God inside of you. And why you are walking like a human being. You should be walking like a God. Why? 
Why are you walking like a human? Because you don't cultivate godliness. It has to be focused on. That's why you don't understand heaven. You read the book of Ezekiel and you look at Daniel's prophecy. You look at his prophecies about the abomination of desolation. You look at all these passages in Revelation that talks about the next world. The sinners are stealing all that stuff about extraterrestrial life, how things function, all these funny-headed creatures, their power, ability, transport, all this stuff. And Christians are still trying to say, well, I'm not sure God heals today. You are a two-century knucklehead. God showed that in the first century, man. 2,000 years ago, you shouldn't believe that. He said the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can't go back until he makes the church at the competency level of his son. He's going to return for a glorious church. The word glory is the Greek word doxa, which is the word which we get our word doxology. It means the things which are seen, the things which are manifest. He's not going to return for a church that functions like a human when they've been born like a, of the spirit. All right, I got to go now. I got to go, I got to go. I mean, the time is really, really is up now. So he said, like, your pastor usually finished at 11.45 or between 11.30 and 11.45. So since he said 45, I knew I was going to do like the 45. I'll get all the way to the 45. What are you going to do with this? See, some of the people I know, I don't hang around them because they are two centuries back in the things of God. They can't even pray all night. You can look at a movie for two hours or three hours. You're going to football game, you know, do the tailgating, drive to the football game, look at the football game for two or three hours, try to get out of the parking lot, crowded with people. That's the six hours. You mean it's easy for you to do that and it's hard for you to pray six hours? You got to know something's wrong with that. Your past is over there dealing with communist country. You got to have more of the light of God than the darkness that's in the country. Amen. You got to be greater. So if you don't know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, you got to stand up straight. You got to sit up. You got to know that the future is in your hands. You're not going to wait on somebody else. You're not doing celebrity. You're not signing. like people. I see them do photo ops with the politicians and photo ops with the president. I mean, I've had numbers of chances to go with a lot of these presidents. I'm not getting no president to sign nothing for me. I know God. Can't you tell a lot of them God? They don't know God like they don't know God like I know God. No, man, you better hope I sign your Bible, dude. I know God. Can't you tell that? Signing nothing. Can you sign nothing for me? You don't know God. So come on, rise up now. You rise up. And I want you now to say, I refuse to just be some natural human being when I have Jesus Christ inside of me, when I have quickening power of the Holy Ghost, when I have the eternal word of God, when I, have the, I can see into the spirit world, when I'm ordained of God to fulfill divine business, I'm not going to die until God's will is fulfilled in my life. Now, I'll tell you, look, let's say you're old as me, okay? Let's say you're old, like, okay, we're 67. We don't care. And so, and you know, so let's say you're old as I am, right? And let's say you, you weren't sure about the will of God. Well, you can be sure from now, you say, God, don't let me die until your will is fulfilled in, your, in my life. Amen. Well, that's a reason for God to let you live longer then. Because if you didn't know the will and you want to know the will, you want to do the will, then God says, okay, if I let you die, my will won't get accomplished when there is somebody there sitting there wanting to do my will. He will extend your lifetime. He'll heal you of that disease. He'll deliver you from the mental disorders, all that stuff, to get his will done. Jesus died as the will of God so that you could receive his life and do the will of God. Amen. Now, if you die before the will of God is fulfilled, that's your fault. Don't die before God's will is fulfilled in your life. Stand up. Let me pray with you just for a minute. Well, glory to God. That's why I love this church. I can scream at you and you don't get mad. I mean, spit all over. Good thing you're not closed. You've got spit and everything over here. <laughs> One explanation. Think about where you are just for a minute. I said you are revival. What if you went down to Miami and everybody in Miami, South, something, Southport, South, where the beach is, South Beach, 
and all those, all those people down there all became just like you. Watch. I said, make the statement, I am revival. What if, those of you who are Christians, all of Miami would just become like you? Now think about that. Would that be revival? Well, since you asked, let me explain it. No more drug sales. The alcohol business would go out of business. In many of your cases, you know, there would be no more stealing, no more cheating in banks, no more adultery. All those pornography stuff would have to, that would be over. Uh, almost like some Christians do have some problem with that. But what I'm saying is this. Your life right now is a life worth following if a whole city could just get to where you are right now. Not get to where Jesus is, but just to where you are because Jesus got you to where you are. So if a city would just come to where you are, that would not only be revival, that would be reformation. Look at all the divorces that would be canceled. Look at all the children that would have fathers at home. Look at all the kind words and encouragement that would happen in the environment. The whole environment of the city of, of Miami would change just becoming like you. Now say it, I am revival. This city has to have some of me. God has me. And I'm giving myself away to somebody else. It's going to make the world better. I declare it. Lord, if I've fallen short, please forgive me. Come into my heart. Make a difference in the world. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you men Monday night. God bless you.